0: Welcome to That'll Preach, weekly show on the Four Oaks Midtown Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm here with my partner in crime, Paul Rizcala, and uh, we are ready to roll. We're rolling on this uh, church series we got, Why the Church Matters or Why Church Matters, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about all these aspects of the importance of church, you know, especially with all the things that are going on. And I mean, people need to know this, right, Paul?
1: I'd hope so. Otherwise, and, what are we doing? I'm wasting our time making a eight part series on this? And we've this.
0: got so so many more important things we could be doing. But it's we're it's good here.
1: stuff. Like i I think I think our stuff is pretty good. But I'm not biased. That's right.
0: That's right. But uh, you know, we've been just examining some of these <laughs> topics, and we always start off with a hot take. So this week it's your turn, Paul.
1: Hit me with your hot take. You ready for this? Yes. Short term mission trips are mostly just dressed up religious tourism i knew you were gonna go there <laughs> i felt a chill down my spine we're gonna get so much hate for this no but it's it's like i feel it is something that should be said okay so explain like it and you hear this define, from like, define <clears throat> a short-term mission trip so like you raise two to three thousand dollars you fly to africa So you can stay in a nice hotel and then go into the poor village to take some pictures with black kids and post them on your social media. Wow. That is the epitome of, that's just like, it's wasteful at best and then just like horrendous at worst. What
0: about for people who want to see if they want to do long-term admissions?
1: I mean, I sure. Yeah. So there's
0: that use there, right? If you want
1: to. Yeah, if you want to go scope out somewhere. Yeah, or, or or see if a team works for you. So it's not
0: entirely useless, right?
1: I Yeah, I mean, but is that really short-term missions, though? I feel like the short-term missions of, like... First I, of all, if you're going to like short-term missions, you should, like, go stay with the people that you're serving. Like, that, that should be one thing. That you're not, like, you know, totally isolating yourself from their squalor. Like, that's just... Doesn't that strike you as, like, weird? So, but you're saying that
0: it's it's one thing if let's say you are checking out a team or checking out an organization and or checking out a place that you might be interested in one day serving long term, versus just viewing it as short term like
1: if you're doing like like as an end in and of itself. Yeah. Like a one little short trip like guerrilla warfare style <laughs> short term missions. Guerrilla just warfare. jump out from behind the bush, do like your quick attack for a week or two, come back to the comfort of the west and like post a bunch on your social media and get all those cool brownie points i mean like you like even like listen to paul washer and how he talks about like how the locals even like in when he was serving in peru like the local pastors and teams were like please like tell like your congregations don't send us like those youth groups or those groups that just come and like they mess everything up they're just liabilities like you know It's not really like, are we actually doing a good service to the people that we're going out to like that? That needs to be a huge factor. Or is it more just to like stroke our egos and to like win some cool cultural points traveling? And a lot of it is. So I'm not going to say that there's like in principle, nothing good about it, but a lot of it is just like that kind of dressed up religious tourism. And it's something that we should definitely be wary of. Like it's not. I don't think that that's too well, harsh. Especially when the fundraising element comes in, then that's, that's when a lot of
0: questions are like, well, we're sure. paying, are we paying for a vacation or right. a short, you know, like a short term trip for you right, to exactly. enjoy mm-hmm. to travel? I mean, like what, what's exactly happening there? Call it,
1: I mean, if you want to spend two, $3,000 to like go explore Uganda, that's like fine. But is that somewhere like you want to like raise money to like justify your going on safari and all this stuff? Like...
0: Well, hopefully you're not actually going on safaris. So you're actually like, helping you're people. Yeah. So well, I guess it depends on what the organization is. And maybe maybe the biggest thing is there. you don't want to just uh, view a short-term trip as just uh, you, you check off your good Christian thing you did or an yeah. excuse to take a vacation somewhere. If you
1: really want to help those people, sometimes, you know, why not just raise the money and send it to them directly? why not like get in touch with that local pastor that you're going to help and be like, Hey, I was going to spend this $2,000 on airfare and a hotel here. Use that. And like, you know, fix your church roof that we were going to like spend.
0: Did you, did your youth group do that when you grew up or something?
1: We didn't do any over. Actually we did one overseas. Um, yeah, a lot of it was just like more domestic stuff, but even there it was. So maybe, maybe like domestic stuff is not as, my, my big issue, I guess, is really just, like, the cost-benefit ratio. Right. Like, sometimes it really is just, like, you think about, like, how many people you fly over to, like, fix a church roof. And it's, like, do you really need to spend thirty forty thousand dollars $40,000 to get this group of, like, you know, people who don't know what they're doing to go and, like, all right, let's go paint the church roof or, you know, in Honduras or Haiti. It's, like, well, if you took that money, like, half of it and just gave it to that church, they could build, like, two new church buildings.
0: That's true. Yeah. That's true. I guess it's being economical with, uh, yeah, the car, co- I guess you're right. The, the car Just being benefit. good
1: stewards of like, you yeah. know, and just, and it is just a motives thing. Like, am I really doing this because I want to like help those people? And if so, I should take into consideration what's actually good for them. What do they need? Um, you know, I'm not going to send like, like wool socks to someone who's living in the Sahara there, desert. There's even a kind of a thing where it's like, well, I just want to see, you know,
0: I, I, I want to experience God in a new way. It almost still becomes like a spiritual tourism mm-hmm. where it's like,
1: then it's this just all experience about you. is all right. just for me yep. to
0: have a spiritual, whatever. It's not yep. actually to serve people. Right. Wow. Wow.
1: Yeah, I mean it's spicy, but I think nah. like I think I'm on pretty firm ground here. I'm not saying anything too radical. Let's be good stewards. Let's make sure that we're actually caring for the people that we're going to do and, and make sure that we're doing it with good motives, right? We're not just doing it to stroke our egos and if you we just, did a whole series on pride. Like pride crops right. are everywhere. Like it's just that is something we should be wary of.
0: If you're listening and you disagree with Paul, his number is <laughs>
1: not <laughs> He lives at
0: <laughs> he, Yeah, exactly. Well, that's a, that was certainly a spicy take. It was. It might be even even more controversial than our our topic today.
1: It might be more is, controversial than your
0: goat cheese um, thing. <laughs> that's not controversy. That's common sense. <laughs> I like that. But we're talking today about Creed and whether Creed was a good band. And With all wide open <laughs> on oh. a short-term mission trip. That's actually pretty we're good. We're building a new roof. People are tuning out. I can feel them. We I'm, haven't even I'm, posted this and I can only feel people. I can sense people no, deleting I think the I, podcast. No, people love your voice. Thank you. But creeds, church creeds, we, we've actually talked a little bit about this in our past series, but uh, creeds, that's an important part of why church matters. The, the common corporate confession of the church, Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Protestant, there are, it, it's amazing, despite all of our major disagreements, some very significant, there's a remarkable agreement on a lot of doctrines, Mm -hmm. the Trinity, the deity of Christ, the humanity of Christ, uh, the resurrection. the the fallenness of humans. The fallenness of humans. So there's an amazing unity of doctrine. And uh, anytime you look back in history and you see people who spent so much time and energy and passion and even to the cost of their own lives, defending certain things, you want to be like, that's probably important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't want to be snobbish and look back and go, oh, they're not as sophisticated as us. Why would they fight over that? I mean, they were, this was, the the truth meant something. And hopefully it still means something today. But church creeds, these Mm -hmm. summaries, these historic summaries of Orthodox Christian faith, of a proper reading of the Bible, is essential for understanding the function of the church today.
1: Absolutely. And you think of like all of the weird Ways that like, think of like Harold <laughs> you know, Camping. Like for those of you who like remember that from I think it was 2012, right? Wow, that seems like so long ago when everyone thought the end of the world was going to happen. Like the Mayans predicted it, Harold Camping predicted it. Harold Camping was like he calculated something and figured out like the world was going to end That's May right. 21st or something. And people and like actually
0: 2020. He was a little off. He was just eight years <laughs> off. <laughs>
1: Brian's on the, uh, predict the end of the world train, but people like took him seriously. Like they sold all their stuff. They like got rid of their pension plans and like, yeah, like here was an example of someone who was doing theology on his own and thought that he had some special insight that like the entire church had looked overlooked and that he had like this special inside revelation. And like, it was just, it was total arrogance and it like cost, you know, so many people, entire livelihoods. Um, and that's just like shows one of the ways that you can go wrong if you try to do theology on your own without taking into account the historic like church consensus on a lot of these positions.
0: Well, even the way that we value certain doctrines, like it's like people are like Trinity boring, you know, <laughs> Jesus is divinity, humanity. It's like, oh, that's just a detail. We just right. affirm that we say that instead of having an understanding of these are gospel issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- th- these are not secondary issues. These are issues of first, highest importance.
1: Absolutely. Like if those aren't true, then Christianity is just, like, that's you what don't it's have Christianity,
0: right? Right, exactly. And that's why there was so much historical debate over it because right. the stakes were that high. Yeah, you wanted to the, get this right. And the creeds are a great testament to What God has done to solidify His church, to anchor us in the truth, but it's hard because of our individualism. I mean, we, we, you know, Americans, we like to do it on our own, like to figure it out on our own, and there's that there's that individual spirit of like, I don't want to. It's an aversion to tradition. Tradition sounds dead. It sounds like control. It sounds like it's you know, it's too rigid, and uh, you know, it's a new age, a new time. We need to rethink all these things. There's a chronological snobbery, right? That CS Lewis coined that phrase of because we're we're living now, we're just so much more sophisticated than people back then, and all these things come in together to make us kind of roll our eyes at things like creed, right? You know, and especially this idea that any kind of tradition, creed, historic teaching is somehow anti. The authority of the Bible, Mm -hmm. when in fact it's a buttress, it's, it holds up the authority of the Bible because this is the wisdom of the church and the collective wisdom of the church
1: taken from its study of the Bible. Absolutely. Brian, imagine that you were a pioneer. Don't need to imagine that. (laughs) (laughs) And imagine you were like moving out West while like the West was still largely unexplored. And like, you have these records of people who went before you and told you like, avoid this trail because there's rattlesnakes and avoid this trail because there's no water and avoid this trail because there's no whatever. It would be stupid of you to ignore all of those reports of dozens and dozens of families who were like, don't take that road. Like that bottoms out into a cliff and like someone died last year. And the Mormons live over there. (laughs) Were the Mormons even around? Yeah, I guess they were probably. I don't know anything about history. I'm just making this up as I go. But the point is, you'd be stupid to not like take the report seriously. Right. So the creeds kind of function in that way. It's like, here are these like really smart Christians who've thought and debated about all of this, and we're guided by the Holy Spirit, like arguing about the deity of Christ, the like how does one person? How does Christ have two natures? And like, how does that work out in the Trinity? And how do we call the different persons? And like, are they equal? Are they not equal? All this stuff like those are really complex. Why would you think that you with your Bible will arrive at like a better position or a more correct conclusion than people who have like been debating this and writing about this and studying this for 2000 years? Um, so like to defer to their judgment is part of what it's like Part of what it is to be a Christian is to put yourself under the authority of the church, like not just locally and your pastor, but like historically as well. And, and trust that God has guided the church in those processes. And you don't have to understand how to
0: parse out the humanity and deity of Christ. I mean, right. like, I can't do right. that. You can't do that. I mean, it's right. a, there's a mystery there. So mm-hmm. we're not saying that you have to be a systematic theologian. And in fact, that's the whole point. You don't have to be a systematic theologian. Mm-hmm. We have the creeds. Right. You don't have to go through it all. You can be like, look, this is what the church has taught and believed since its inception. Mm -hmm. So I can affirm this. I can say that, and and not only that, but once you realize what the church has said about Christ's divinity or humanity, you can spot the false teachers. Mm -hmm. You don't need to have a full understanding. You just go, that goes against the historic teaching of the Orthodox Church. So then you go, oh, good. Like Now I have my own personal security Mm -hmm. to understand. I may not know how to defend this, I may not know all the details of it, but I know what the church tradition has said, that's out of bounds.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And so I don't have to keep reinventing the wheel. I can trust that. That's Mm -hmm. not a bad thing.
1: Right, exactly. In fact,
0: that's something that God, you know, Paul Mm -hmm. tells Timothy, guard the the, the good deposit, Mm -hmm. right? They didn't have a New Testament yet. What's he saying? He says the apostolic teaching, the way we're telling you to read the Old Testament, guard that. Yeah. Right, and pass it down. Right. So a lot of people are drawn to Roman Catholicism because they grew up in an evangelical world where they didn't understand church history. They didn't feel like it was rooted in tradition. It was just rooted in experience and maybe mm-hmm. politics or something like that. And then they realize there's this, there's this just massive home mm-hmm. of church history that they can reach to. And they think only Catholics have access to that. And mm-hmm. that's not true. Right? Protestants should not be anti-church history. Right. Should not be anti-tradition, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, the other thing too is if you have kids, what are you gonna tell them about Jesus? Yeah. Right? They ask you, well, who's Jesus? And are you gonna read <laughs> a bunch of books and listen to all the podcasts and freak out and wonder how you're gonna, to... no, it's been done for you. right? right? You, you say the apostles creed together or something mm-hmm. where you tell them this is what the church confesses. And a lot of times we learn it first and then we grow into it as our understanding grows. It's like a shoe that we grow into mm-hmm. and that's okay, right? But we have to recognize that we're not just individuals. We're part of a corporate body. And that corporate body isn't just here and now, but it stretches backwards into time.
1: Right. And yeah, so <clears throat> it's like we should expect to find that there are insights in other generations previous to ours. So like one one thing that C.S. Lewis says on this that's pretty powerful is, um, let me just pull it up here. I mean, you're seeing like theology actually happen because I'm looking up the quote. There we go. Right now, literally, (laughs) his his head is splitting into two and he's putting a microchip in his brain. Yep. So C.S. Lewis says, every age has its own outlook. It is especially good at seeing certain truths, but also especially liable to make certain mistakes. We all therefore need the books and thinkers that will correct the characteristic mistakes of our own period. And that means we need the old books. So like... Our culture might be really good at seeing certain truths, right? Like our culture is really good at like racism. Like we we have been so like enculturated that like we see like, like racism is just like oh, I thought you to be like we're just really good at committing racism. Well, we're <laughs> maybe, we're really know. good at like like almost to like a fault. Like we that that's right. one of the things where like that that's maybe one of the positives of our right. generation right. that like right. previous generation didn't right. have that. Right. But then it means we also have other mistakes or blind spots. Sure. Sure. So you don't want to just rely on your own cultural assumptions right. of today. So You don't know
0: what you're blind to in your own day. Just
1: as exactly people
0: back then didn't know they're blind know. to some things that we we see. Exactly. Right, exactly. I mean, so who,
1: taking the whole like right. whole witness of the church from all. points points in time is helpful.
0: Right. And I mean, it's just, you know, when you think it's sort of an idealized thing, like just me and my Bible under a tree reading it and just letting Jesus speak terrifying. It sounds like a poem. Me and my Bible under a tree reading it for Jesus to speak to me. But but here's the problem. You're probably not reading from the Greek. Right. You're reading an English translation. Mm -hmm. So you at least need a dictionary. Right. <laughs> you at least need to know English. Well, and you, you need, need, need scholars need to know grammar.
1: who like translators? You need scholars you. who
0: translate it, yeah. right? So you're trusting their translation, which yep. is based on their interpretation. So, mm-hmm. so
1: you can't get away from it.
0: A, you can't escape yeah. lesser authorities. We're saying sola scriptura, that is the classic Protestant doctrine of scripture, is that scripture is the highest authority. It does not say that it is the only authority, that's right. so crucial, right? There are lesser authorities that the Bible itself points to Mm -hmm. pastors and elders of the church. Absolutely. Right. It it talks even about how the government's function as a lesser authority and Mm -hmm. and, and there's and, and mothers and fathers function as lesser authorities. So there are hierarchies. There are authority structures that the Bible even sets out that stand under it. So if you want to say the Bible is your highest authority, then you're
1: going to accept the authority that the Bible points to. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And you see like if if you were just reading your Bible on your own without any other input you would arrive at the wonkiest conclusions and it's this already is exactly, happened the
0: called Jehovah's witnesses yeah and right?
1: Mormonism and like yeah. all these sorts of things and Harold Camping like Harold right. Camping this guy who predicted he prided himself on teaching himself the bible he knew the bible like back and front but his interpretations were kind of wonky because he wasn't doing it in community right. and you could like imagine a physicist who like doesn't get a phd doesn't go to a university and just like builds their own like weird lab in their Basement on an island in the middle of nowhere—they're going to have some weird, like, views about the world. Like, they're not going to be—they're not going to have the benefit of all of the science that's gone before them and all their colleagues to sharpen them. So that's not the kind of scientist that we would trust. In the same way, like, if you have someone who's just reading their Bible on their own, why should we expect that this person is going to arrive at any like serious, true, good conclusions? Um, I mean, that's—I think that's just silly. Well, you think about uh,
0: John. 14 or 14 through seven. It's one of those, you know, the high priestly (laughs) prayer, that whole thing. Yes. And Jesus is like, you know, the spirit will lead you in all truth. And people take that to think that they have like a, They'll read the Bible and they'll just feel like it's true. a mystical it's true. sense, yeah. The problem is, I think, so apparent yeah. that people disagree and they all felt like the Spirit was saying mm-hmm. was true. And th- I think that that is primarily, that's a promise to the apostles. And then I think by <clears> extension, <throat> a promise to the church corporately right. throughout the ages that right. the Spirit will lead her into truth. Mm-hmm. Maybe through, and it, that doesn't preclude reformations sure. and, and and rethinking about things. But it is the idea that that when we talk about, who God gave the Bible to the church. He gave his word to the church, right? And the church is the home of interpretation for the text that God has given, Mm -hmm. right? That's his bride and he wants her to know what he thinks. And he gives her the spirit so that she can properly understand it as a whole. Not every little thing, and not exhaustively, mm-hmm. but enough that there's a core that we can truly know God. I think that that's the thing. People go, there's so many different interpretations of the Bible, so many different interpretations of this, this, different denominations argue. Yes, that is true. But there's a difference between saying that we can't know everything for sure right, and saying we can't know anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, again, I would point to the creeds, which are so great because they show the amazing amount of unity that all the denominations and all major uh, Christian traditions have.
1: Absolutely. And you can have like two Christians agreeing to the same phrase at a surface level, but disagreeing in the mechanics. Right. And this is what happened in the early church. Everyone was saying Jesus is the son of God. Now, some people meant that to mean that Jesus was actually, or the son of God was a creation of the father. And so this arose to be like one dominant group, one heresy in the early church, versus this other contingency that was defending that Jesus is the Son of God, but the Son of God is eternal with the Father, not created. So now you've got both of these groups saying, Jesus is the Son of God, Jesus is God, but they mean two very different things. And so how do you adjudicate that, right? So you've got lots of these debates where like a a Mormon and a Christian can agree on something superficially, but the mechanics underneath are not gonna line up. And the creeds are important for that purpose, like to tell us exactly which specific articulation is the correct one.
0: Right. Precision is um, important.
1: Right. It's a powerful historical argument,
0: especially when yeah. you talk to Mormons or Jehovah's Witnesses where you can just be like, look, you know, I know this doesn't prove that we're right, <laughs> but you guys are going against 2,000 years right, right. of church teaching.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's kind of count for something. Absolutely. Right. And like, why would you think you're right and everybody else got it wrong? Right. That's just. And sometimes, and this
0: can happen in, you know, reformed or fundamentalist or whatever, conservative circles where it's like, well, if you deny this secondary doctrine, what's going to stop you from denying these primary ones? Mm -hmm. It's like, here's what will stop you (laughs) the creeds. The creeds. Right. (laughs) Right. So you want to avoid that sort of slippery slope argument. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, if you don't believe in six day creation, you're going to deny the resurrection. Right. Well, no one, that's a lot of church backwards. fathers did right. not hold to six day creation. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even a concept in their mind. And two, do n- you have the creeds? You, right. you know, like when that's not, that's not the <clears throat> heart of the Christian faith, right? The, the church has already united on what are the non-negotiables Right. And then it actually allows us to have fruitful discussion because we're not, you know, questioning each other's faith all the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We're, we're, we're actually starting from the same foundation and going, OK, now these other things that are still important, not saying they're not important, but we can debate as Christians. Right. We can debate the actual issue at hand. We don't right. have to, to to make those slippery slope arguments of if, if you don't agree with this on this secondary third issue you're gonna deny these first issue things.
1: It's almost like the creeds are, you know, like when you go bowling and like- I would the, never do such a thing. <laughs> when you went bowling as a child yeah. and then the guy looked over and saw you like, every time you threw the ball, it ended up in the gutter and they felt bad for you. And they came up and pulled up the bumpers. This may, not have, it may never have happened to you, but it happened to me all the time. Really? So very embarrassing. Paul, are uh, you crying? It's, it still happens, yeah. Oh, Paul. But the bumpers keep the ball in play. So like, I know like wherever I like throw the ball in this lane, those bumpers are gonna make sure that the ball ends up at the end somehow. Like whether it's one pin knocked down, sometimes it's none, but it's still in play. And so the creeds function in that way. They tell us like, okay, here are the boundaries of orthodoxy. Here's what you need to believe to be a Christian in the orthodox sense. Orthodox just meaning like lowercase orthodox, like within the bounds of the church. And so then we can disagree on all these like secondary peripheral things and have some substantive debate, but we all share the same common assumptions. And it's from that that we can have really productive dialogue. Without that, like the ball can end up anywhere. And we're not like talking specifically about Christian doctrine because nothing is constraining it to just the Christian assumptions. It also tells us the basics.
0: It also, you know, sometimes when you think, let's say you're talking to a new Christian and you're Mm -hmm. like what do they need to know? And then you sit there and you're like, ah, man, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Because you're always gonna make a call, right? If you make your own little pamphlet of like the new Christian's handbook, (laughs) you're gonna have to decide what you think should be the basic building blocks. That's a lot of pressure. Why do that to yourself? Why not just be like, hey, here's creeds to help you do that. A further step is for individual traditions, having confessions. Mm -hmm. Those are great. Sure. Right. Because I love what Carl Truman says. He says, a confession tells us that someone somewhere believed something. (laughs) Not saying confessions are scripture. Right. Not saying they're above the word of God. But it is saying that it provides a foundation for discussion to go, okay, at at what point, where are we actually disagreeing? Mm -hmm. So we don't talk past each other when you have a, a, a lengthy confession. So confessions are more denominationally focused. Creeds are more universal to the church. But, you know, so there's the Westminster Confession of Faith that Presbyterians use. There's the London Baptist Confession, Baptists use. There's mm-hmm. the, what, the 39 articles for Anglicans, right. like mm-hmm. that. Yep. And uh, so there, there's all these statements, and they're actually meant to clarify issues and for people to have a starting point to be like, okay, this is where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. And every confession has problems but at least they know where the problems are. Sure, That's one of the mm-hmm. benefits of writing out what you believe, because everybody has a statement of faith. It's whether it's explicit or not explicit. Mm-hmm. And so having it written out, you go, okay, well, at least I know one, where I disagree, if I'm gonna disagree. Mm-hmm. And two, we know where the spots are that this might be weak and we can recognize that. But you don't, but if it's just, you know, Joe whatever, starting his own church, no confession, you have no idea where the errors exactly. in this theology are. Hasn't you have no idea. not the test of time. been tested. Yep, hasn't been yep. used mm-hmm. uh, for, yeah, through through time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you know it's just it's a dangerous thing to do, and it 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 really again it feeds into that individualism. People thinking that all you need is your quiet time, and that mm. church is just this extra thing. That you can do without, or it's just to facilitate better quiet times or something like that. Right. Have your quiet time. You should be in the word, right? Okay, that's great. But Sounds like you said
1: you shouldn't be in the word. No, I said
0: you should. You should. <laughs> but there's that's not it. That's that's a very narrow view mm-hmm. of how Christians grow. Absolutely. Right? We need those bumpers. Mm-hmm. We, we need we need those guardrails of the creeds and the collective wisdom of the church for us and not just for us, so that we can teach others. Mm-hmm. It's a tool to pass the faith through the through the generations. Right? Absolutely, yeah. that's That's the key.
1: Yeah, and you think about like, so here's just one very specific example. Um, every Christian believes that Jesus is God and man, right? In some way. Now, like, does that mean like Jesus has a human body, but a divine mind? Does that mean that like Jesus was God sometimes and man sometimes? Like, how do we like understand that phrase? Like, there's lots of ways to interpret that. There's lots of wiggle room. So like, how am I supposed to get a correct or a good grip on that? There we go. Like, okay, well, like the creed or the council that like talked about this debate in 451, Council of Chalcedon, there were arguments made like, if Jesus was a human with a divine mind, then that means he didn't really have a human mind, so he's not really fully human. He's just part human, in which case, like, he's not really one of us. So if he like dies as a human, it's like like dying like a proto-human or a weird human. He's not actually one of us. So it's important that Jesus be like fully human, hundred percent, but also fully hundred percent God or truly. God truly man, Like, that formulation is, like, super incredibly important, and there's all these theological reasons, but that's not the sort of thing that you'd arrive at on your own if you were just reading the Gospel of Mark, for example. And this is the
0: point right here, this exact example, because I know when you said all that stuff, people might be hearing and be like, oh, man, that's so heady. Mm -hmm. I don't understand that. I want to. I just don't get it. Like, Mm -hmm. do I really need to know all that so I can share the Gospel? No. right. You don't have to articulate all of that. You don't have to know that to the extent that somebody who's studied for a long time does. That's the point of the creeds. Right. Right? It's sort of like a kid doesn't understand what the fences are for. He doesn't understand the whole concept of traffic and, and, you know, cars running by or risk or any of that stuff. But he still keeps away from the road. Right. That's all he needs to know. Right, exactly. Right, you trust that these fences are there for a reason. Mm -hmm. So you actually don't have to articulate in perfect precision the trinity and the relationship between Jesus' humanity and divinity. You don't. You just need to know what the fences are, mm-hmm. right? And I love that because it makes Christianity for the common folk. It's for blue-collar normal people. It's not for eggheads only or whatever. This is for the people. And the creeds are a great tool for that. It's, your kids can learn it. And they mm-hmm. can grow up and realize they have this shoe to grow into, right? I've never heard that phrase before, but you've said it
1: twice today. <laughs> yeah,
0: well, it's a fra- that, that phrase is a shoe that you grow into. Mm, that was good. There you go. I'm going to use that every time now. You
1: should. Just as a, a philosophical addendum. Boo. <laughs> when you were talking about like testimony and like, um so imagine like a kid and his, you know, his parents tell him, don't go out like past that point of the river because right. it gets really dangerous, right? Right, right. The kid has never tested that out. But the kid trusts his parents that they know what's like they've experienced it they've got good reasons for that right so even though the child can't articulate those reasons like he doesn't know what like what white water cliff like thing waterfall i don't know anything about water but suppose like (laughs) there's something dangerous over there he all he knows is like that's unsafe and i should not go there or like a parents who tell their kid like don't stick your finger in that metal thing in the wall like the kid doesn't understand electricity but there's a kind of like when you trust the authority you don't have to know and be able to articulate the reasons why they're forbidding that, right? But you're still trusting in them. And the fact that they have good reasons justifies your like acceptance of that, even if you don't have access to the reasons. Right,
0: yeah. right. So to sum it all up, we're very individualistic, and we miss that we need the witness of the church to You're give us You're individualistic. Guardrails. I'm not individualistic. No. Okay. <laughs> Except for Paul. We need the church tradition and history and creeds as guardrails to help us read the Bible rightly because we can't just read it on our own and come up with whatever we want. And it's meant as a tool to help us pass on the faith because we don't have to understand every little detail or nuance. Mm-hmm. We just need to know what the deposit God has given to us is to be the fence to keep us from going off on into crazy town and, and passing on heresy without knowing it. And handling right?
1: snakes in it's, church.
0: It makes it about the people, and it makes it simple, and it helps to preserve the truth through the ages. Very important. You can find the major creeds online. You can read them, maybe memorize them. It's great when you know, our church will say the Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. Just to remember and to confess together, this is the indisputed core of the Christian faith. Right. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. Leave a review. We'll be back next week. We're on every Tuesday. So let your friends know, and we will see you later.